Welcome back to another episode of Hell Saturn. Today, I'm so excited to get right into it and demystify how to read your birth chart. I knew I wanted to do this episode since before I started the podcast. I really want you guys to be able to read your birth charts. I want to read your birth charts. I want you to come for a reading and I want us to have the experience of going through your chart together. But even if I do get to spend an hour with you going through your chart, it's not enough for you to access everything that your chart has to offer you. I realized that many people don't have the familiarity with astrology, even if they have the interest to necessarily know what their birth charts can do for them, what's even in there that they can access. So I want to demystify that and I want to hopefully give you guys, my listeners, tools to explore your birth chart on your own time. Your birth chart should be a resource for you that you can consult at any time for guidance, for a more objective perspective. Your birth chart is a tool for you to help you navigate life and your spiritual evolution and existence. So I'm not here to gatekeep and I want to help you access that. It really has changed my life to learn about my birth chart and to be able to use it as a tool to analyze my own experiences and behavior and alter the course of my life with intention according to what I see reflected in the chart and how I feel about it at the time. So astrology isn't something that's going to tell you exactly what you need to do or exactly what your fate is or exactly what's ahead, but it's going to give you a realistic reflection of what's going on and what's going on now. It's very time-specific astrology. It tells us when things are happening and when certain things are due, certain energies are due, and we can sit with those concepts and symbols that the astrology is indicating are becoming relevant or are due to become relevant, and we can see how we feel about them and how it's activating the aspect of ourselves that is capable of free will and is the master of our own fate, designing our lives. So today I want to give you guys some tools and techniques so that you can consult your own birth charts and hopefully gain some insight from them all on your own just you studying your own chart but before i can tell you how to read a chart i feel like i need to tell you more about what a birth chart is and how it works because it's quite an amazing thing astrology is deceptively complicated and requires a surprising amount of math It's most similar in my mind to geometric proofs, a lot of if this, then that, but in astrology, instead of if, it's when. When this and this, then that and that. It sounds like cause and effect, but it's very abstracted in practice. As astrologers, we are analyzing energetic bodies, moving through energetic fields, and intuiting symbolic meanings from those motions, which we then translate and apply to our material and psychic realities here on Earth. Now, I should be clear that astrologers don't believe that astrology works in a causal way, but it's more like a clock showing us that it's midnight. It doesn't make it midnight, but it's reflecting the reality of midnight happening to us and letting us know that morning will be here in six or so hours. It's a way to look at time and the way that we're moving forward through time with more detail, like way more detail. To start studying your chart, you need your chart itself, and a notebook. Later on, we're going to add an ephemeris to that list, but for now, let's leave that out. Just the chart and a notebook and pen, or however you want to take notes. 
but we're going to be drawing at least one diagram, so be ready for that. The best way to generate your chart for free is to go to astro.com, click on charts and calculations, click extended chart selection, and then you can just enter your birth data and from there click show the chart because the default settings should be completely fine. It should give you your birth chart in tropical placidus house system, which is exactly what we want. So from there, you can see all of the information in your birth chart rendered in that beautiful wheel chart diagram, as well as underneath it, there should be a table diagram with the aspects laid out in a different way. So that's like a more organized, might be easier for beginners to see where the trines are, where the squares are, conjunctions, oppositions, as opposed to being able to like spot them or calculate them in your head geometrically in the chart, which will definitely come, but it's not necessary for you to be able to like do that quickly right away. So there is that table chart to help you out there. That table underneath the wheel chart will also tell you what your placements are in English, so you can have a reference to see what the glyphs mean. They don't have a legend on this page for what the sign glyphs are, but they do say what the planet glyphs are, so that should be helpful. They do say what signs the planets are in, in English, so you can start to correlate the glyphs to the signs that way. Or just look up a legend for zodiac sign glyphs. So now you can be looking at your chart, and let's talk about what's there. The chart is a wheel made up of rings that extend outward from the center, and each ring gives us a different layer of information. I'm going to start from the outermost ring and go inward toward the center. So the outermost ring is the zodiac, the 12 signs of the zodiac and the 360 degrees. Inside of that, we have a ring holding the planets and plotting their placements within the zodiac. And then inside of that, we have a ring containing the geometric aspects that the planets around the zodiac are making to one another. The wheel has 12 spokes. Each spoke represents a house cusp. Each house has one cusp. And the sign on the cusp of the house determines what sign and therefore which planet rules that house. The house rulers change for each person's chart depending on where the chart starts, what sign is on the ascendant. You can find the ascendant on the left side of the chart around 9 o'clock. That's the sign that was rising on the eastern horizon at the time of your birth and that determines where the wheel will begin. So the 12 houses will always be in the same place in the chart and the zodiac will always be in the same order, but it will spin depending on what sign was rising on the eastern horizon at the time of your birth. So the chart begins with the first house at the rising sign around nine o'clock visually on the chart. And the first house can be found below that line. So sort of in between eight and nine o'clock. You can see in the very center of the chart, the houses should be marked with numbers and each pie slice, the area in between the spokes of the chart is the domain of the house. Any planets or placements that fall into each pie slice, that's how you'll know what house things are in. Okay, so we've got the signs, the planets, the houses. So now we can look at those lines in the middle of the chart connecting the planets in the different houses. Those lines represent the aspects of your chart. 
So there are several aspects in astrology which we come up with by calculating the distance between the planets. Each aspect correlates to a specific number of degrees. And we say that some aspects are harmonious and some are hard or challenging. So examples of harmonious aspects are trines, which are 120 degrees between a planet and another planet or placement in the chart, and sextiles, which are half of a trine or 60 degrees between placements. There's also semi-sextiles, which are 30 degrees between placements, but those are not thought of as very strong or particularly relevant, so they exist, but we don't worry about them. The main two harmonious aspects are trines and sextiles. Hard aspects are opposition, 180 degrees, square, 90 degrees, and conjunction, which is zero degrees, or when planets are occupying the same space in the zodiac. There's also another aspect, 150 degrees, which is in conjunct, which is when planets are in signs that don't understand each other very well or are sort of out of touch a little bit. They're not like locked in a battle, like a square or fighting for dominance, like an opposition or crowding each other, like in a conjunction, but they're just sort of like far away and said to sort of be out of contact and out of touch in disagreement due to a lack of understanding. Something that will really help you with the aspects will be to memorize the modality and the element of each of the signs. So the element is probably going to be familiar to you. It will be either earth, air, fire, or water. Each of the signs will belong to one element and that will help define how that sign operates and what the energy of that sign is like. If you memorize which element, then you'll automatically know which signs are trying one another. So trines will generally be between signs of the same element, although it's possible for that not to be the case. But generally speaking, signs of the same element have a harmonious relationship with one another because they're working via the same element to achieve their aims. So they have an understanding of how to work with one another and they can flow together easily and they can cooperate very well. So I'll quickly tell you what the elemental distinctions are. Fire signs are Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius. Water signs are Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces. Earth signs are Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn. And air signs are Gemini, Libra, and Aquarius. You should also understand and memorize what modality each sign is. Is it cardinal, fixed, or mutable? Cardinal signs initiate, fixed signs maintain, and mutable signs adapt and change. Signs of the same modality have a conflicting and tense relationship with one another. They are 90 degrees apart or square in the wheel of the zodiac. They do similar work but in different ways using different elements. So they're in disagreement very often and they struggle to cooperate and to compromise and find ways to work together toward the different aims that they may hold in the chart. As for the modalities, cardinal signs are Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn. Fixed signs are Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius and mutable signs are Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces. 
The aspects are represented by different colored lines between the placements. Harmonious aspects are blue lines and challenging or hard aspects are red lines. In conjunct is that dotted green line, which you may or may not have within your chart. Okay, so now we know what we're looking at, but also like what are we really looking at? So let me try to give you a metaphor to help you understand how to think about what's happening in the chart. Think of the planets as characters or personalities all living together, sharing a huge mansion where each one of them has a room. Now, each one of the planets has furnished one of the rooms in the style of one of the signs that it rules or it feels at home in, and it's put all of its tools that it needs to do all of its crafts and work and all of the roles that it fills. It puts everything that it needs in this room that belongs to a sign and that the planet is going to be living in. The planets are actors. They're the energetic bodies that represent the movement of energy happening through space-time. Whereas the signs are fixed energy fields that the planets appear to move through from our vantage point on Earth. And as we watch their spiral motions through the zodiac, we can trace the different patterns that they make geometrically to one another and the sort of dance that they carry out. And when the planets move through the different signs, it's almost like they're visiting each other's rooms within that mansion I was describing. And so for the time that they're staying in that space, in that room, they only have access to the tools of that sign and the planet that rules that sign. So sometimes depending on what room they're in, the planets have an easier or a harder time carrying out their role. And then, based on what aspects they're making to one another, they may also be either allied and working towards the same ends with other planets in your chart, or they might be locked in conflict and pulling in two different directions and demanding opposing things. So the chart helps us see what areas of life different energies are impacting and what kind of internal conflicts we experience that lead us to choose certain experiences or seek out certain areas of life to take action in. The chart can tell us a lot about our natural aptitudes, our natural challenges, and about the nuanced dynamics between those things. Reading your chart is really a time to get honest with yourself. That's how you'll get the most out of it. Of course, you can look at it in a superficial way and say, I like this, I like this, this is me, that sounds great. But if you do choose to dig deeper into your chart, you may find some surprising things or you may have some surprising intuitive gut feelings that you have validated by the symbols of the chart and it might not be the first time that you look at it it probably won't be i find that all charts take a while to crack open and the more time you spend with them the more you get out of them i still spend time with my chart and i still find out new things about my chart and about myself and it's really a resource for me to look at myself and my life from what I feel is a slightly more objective and more divine framework than I'm capable of just on my own. So with the understanding that all of the things I'm about to share with you take time to really carry out and devote study to, 
understanding that it will take more than just one session to plumb your chart for everything that's available there, understanding it will take many hours of focused effort and study to explore all of the concepts that I'm about to list and actually get to the bottom of your chart to the degree that I'm capable of leading you to. With that understanding, I'm going to share with you the order of steps that I recommend taking to explore your birth chart from a beginner level to understand it in depth and get the most out of it that you possibly can on your own. So as one of the first steps you'll take in reading your own chart, you will look and see what houses and what signs are my planets in. Where are my planets located? What signs? Let's start there. What signs are my planets in? And then, and this isn't really a beginner thing, and I'm thinking about how to make doing something like this easier for you guys, so stay tuned more long term for that. But I do recommend trying to make a dispositor tree for your chart, I'm gonna spell that D-I-S-P-O-S-I-T-O-R tree, dispositor tree. Make one for your chart and that will tell you what the power structure of your chart is. What planets are the most powerful and who's answering to who, who's living in whose space. And each planet is either going to be in their own sign, which will mean that they're a final dispositor in your chart and they're kind of at their ultimate power and potentially controlling other planets in your chart, which will then in turn have their own rulerships over other planets. But it's basically a chain of power and it's not like all planets underneath the top planet are serving the top planet, but it is kind of like a chain of command a little bit where they're each directly reporting to their direct superior, the planet whose room or sign they're living in. So in order to make this tree, you're going to have to look up and learn what the planetary rulerships are. So I can tell you them quickly here now. The sun rules Leo, the moon rules Cancer, Mercury rules Gemini and Virgo, Venus rules Taurus and Libra, Jupiter rules Pisces and Sagittarius, Saturn rules Capricorn and Aquarius, Uranus rules Aquarius, Neptune rules Pisces, Pluto rules Scorpio. The last three planets, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, are modern planets, so they're not going to be final dispositors because this concept that I'm working with, the concept of dispositors, these are traditional concepts and traditional astrology works only with the visible planets. That does include the sun and moon in traditional astrology and modern astrology. The sun and moon are considered planets. The traditional planets include sun, moon, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter and Saturn, and that's where it'll end. But we will plot Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto into our chart to see where they fall within the power structure. So to make a dispositor tree, you can start with any planet. We're gonna plot out just the nine planets, as well as the sun and moon. You can start with any of those and see what sign is that planet in, and then what is the ruler of that sign. So. If the planet is in its home sign, then that's going to be a planetary point that receives energy from other planets. And you can just put it in the top tier of the tree that we're going to be diagramming out. I like to do this on lined paper and just put planets of the same power and strength on the same line 
whether or not they're connected to one another generally they're not unless they're in mutual reception and then planets on the next tier of power i'll put you know two lines down so that i can put an arrow between the planets on the different tiers to represent where the energy is flowing so these will be generally unidirectional relationships where the weaker planet is giving power and strength to the stronger planet unless they're in mutual reception in which case they'll be on the same level and they'll be giving power to one another and cooperating easily planets in mutual reception to go back to the metaphor that i was using earlier are like people staying in each other's rooms and they can call each other up and say hey can you you do this thing with this special tool that I have in this room I really need this done now and the other planet can be like sure yeah no problem and actually I need a favor from you can you use my tool in my room to do this thing so they can work together and cooperate a lot more effectively for that reason because they have access to each other's things and they have a line of communication to one another planets in their own sign have access to all their own stuff all their own tools so they're at maximum capacity all by themselves and planets that are staying in other people's rooms have to constantly call up the host planet and say hey can you help me try to figure out how to use your stuff to do my thing and that planet may say yeah i think i can help you rake something up or they may say gee i don't know like i never do that thing i don't really have anything to do that with but you could try using this thing that's really not meant for that So it's kind of like that, like how appropriate are the tools available and the energies available to the planet in that space so that they can do the job that they always need to do regardless of where they're staying. So Mercury is always going to be the planet that deals with our intellect and our communication no matter where Mercury is staying. If Mercury is in its home sign of Gemini, it may have a microphone or a pen that helps it like record its thoughts and get them out to people if it's in pisces it's underwater so it can't necessarily get any sound out at all in a lot of situations and if it tried to write the ink would just bleed and the paper would disintegrate so it's a lot more of a challenging space for mercury just as an example mercury is in detriment in pisces and it's in domicile or at home in gemini so that's just one small example to help you think about how a planet may operate at different strengths in different signs so to make a dispositor tree you are basically going to want to figure out which planet is in which other planet's sign so you can start anywhere and then see okay if i have mars in gemini for example then that means that Mars is answering to Mercury. So where's Mercury in the chart? Okay, so we'll put Mars on a lower tier and then we'll draw an arrow above Mars pointing to Mercury. And then we'll see what sign is Mercury in. Okay, Mercury's in Aquarius. That means that Mercury is ruled by Saturn. So we'll draw Saturn two lines above Mercury and we'll put an arrow in between pointing to Saturn. So that's kind of how you draw the tree. And you go through until you've plotted out all of the nine planets and the sun and the moon. 
and most likely you will have one or two planets at the top of your tree which have the most power you may or may not have a mutual reception and you will probably have a bunch of planets below the planets in power that have different relationships to one another that are feeding energy to one another the top layer isn't all powerful in the tree structure it's more like a chain of command where each planet directly reports to the planet above it this will help you as you're reading your chart to understand the general relationships between the planets as they're working for you and what planets you may need to strengthen and how to direct your energy to make the most of your natural channels of flow. I'm realizing that I need to start a blog to go along with this podcast so that I can provide you guys with visuals and written explanations about how to do this kind of stuff. So stay tuned for that. And in the meantime, I am going to link a site in the show notes that has a visual aid and explains in better detail how to construct one of these charts. I am probably getting ahead of myself in order to have a proper holistic view of your chart you really should take the time to learn about each layer on its own so take time to study what is the zodiac what are each of the 12 signs and get a feel and an understanding for what each of the 12 signs are and then do the same thing with the planets and the different placements and start fleshing out your understanding of each of these concepts and each of these layers on their own so that you can start properly blending them together into your own interpretation. So I like the mansion metaphor again to help with this process because I think it's helpful for this learning process where you're onboarding the meanings of all of these complex groups and fields of things that seem unrelated but do have a commonality between them. As you kind of sort all of the disparate elements of your life and world into these categories, I think it's helpful to imagine them as dynamic spaces that you can furnish with appropriate symbols to help you remember and understand the energy of these ideas. So let me give you an example of it. So if I have a Gemini room in my mansion, which I do, I go in there and immediately I'm met with bees flying around pollinating flowers and the breeze carrying those bees from blossom to blossom. And then I see that there's a neighborhood with neighbors coming out to get their mail, which is being delivered, and meeting one another in the street and gossiping about the latest happenings. And the sun is shining, and there's a yellow energy to the whole thing. And it's all about people living together and connecting with the people around them, pollinating, germinating things, spreading, and getting ready to bloom into ideas later on in the zodiac. So I have my Gemini room and over time I can fill it with all of the things that Gemini rules. So I can add in trains and short journeys and siblings and chatter and local news and broadcasting like newspapers and radio stations and bulletin boards. I can fill the room with Gemini things and Gemini energy and then I can kind of pop into that room anytime I need a refresher. 
this is just what works for me. Your brain might work differently from mine, it probably does. There are other techniques that you can use to accomplish the same thing. You can make vision boards and mood boards or collages for each of these concepts. You can just make lists or word banks to help you kind of have a resource to go to while you're building up your knowledge bank. Engaging in a process like that where you try to aggregate all of the disparate elements of our world and sort them is really going to help you both at the beginning and then over time as you're spending time with your chart to really have that holistic understanding of what you're looking at and help you build more nuanced interpretations about the relationships between everything that you're seeing. Going beyond the superficial of just what's present on the chart and going into the dynamics of the relationships between those placements. And that's where the real meat of the chart is, is in the aspects and the larger aspect patterns that are present in the chart. I recommend first understanding what the signs are then adding in planets and looking at what planets are in what sign in your chart and first adding that layer combination. Then once you have that down and you have an understanding of what your placements are, make that dispositor tree so that you can see who's answering to who and what the power structure is. And then you can start to look at the houses and see where this energy is showing up in your life or where it has a tendency to show up in your life and where it's creating challenges and where it's creating ease because it's going to affect more than just the one house that that placement is located in because of the aspects that it's making to other placements and planets in your chart. So when I say planets, I'm referring to the sun, moon, and all of the nine planets that we're familiar with. And when I say placements, I'm referring to other notable parts of the chart which are not planetary bodies but are still placements that we plot out. So this includes the ascendant or rising, the midheaven, your north node and south node, Imam Kohli, descendant, black moon lilith, certain points that are not necessarily objects in the sky but are mathematical points that are calculated based on the placement of everything else and your rising is an especially important placement it's included in your big three it's a big part of your astrological personality profile being the lens through which you see the world and the way that you show up in the world so like the first impression that someone has of you is oftentimes your rising sign not your sun your rising sign also determines how your chart will be structured what sign will rule the first house of your chart and so where in the zodiac the wheel will begin the planet that rules your rising sign is said to have extra significance in the chart and is known as the chart ruler this is kind of unrelated to the dispositor tree concept but you can think of the chart ruler as being the leading planet in your chart that's sort of the main character of the chart it might not be the most powerful planet, but it is the main character and it's demanding attention and running the show in some respects. So as you go through this process, you're going to be getting plenty of information. Every step of this process is going to be rich with opportunities to self-reflect and to understand yourself in a whole new way. So it's a really fun, interesting process the whole way through, but it is a little bit never-ending in some respects. But I'm going to give you just a quick download, right, of 
steps that you can take to go deeper and deeper into your charts. So to recap, you're going to start with the signs, understanding the zodiac itself. That's going to help you the most to create a basis and a foundation for your understanding. Then you're going to move on to planets, understand the significations for those. Also check out significant placements that I just mentioned, ascendant, midheaven, and north node and then move on to houses. And houses is gonna be a little bit easier because it's pretty quick to see the vibe of what each area of life is. I'm going to link a resource that I really like. I didn't create it, but I really like this webpage and it has a really great circular wheel diagram that will help you to visualize what field of life each house governs and relates to. So I'll link that and I definitely recommend checking that out to help make this more clear and to use that to kind of start studying what the houses are. The signs are energetic fields which the planets rule over. The houses are human-drawn, earthly, they're not cosmic like the signs and the planets. They represent areas and features of life. The houses are how we, astrologers, slice up the chart to figure out what planet and sign rules which domain of our lives. So you can think of the houses as being domains in a way and they're sort of collections of aspects and areas of life which have commonalities represented by the sign and planet that rule over that house naturally. So that's another concept that might be confusing, but it may help you to understand kind of the breadth of the different house domains to think about their natural rulers which just correspond to the order of the zodiac. So starting with the first house, mapping that to Aries, the first sign, and then just going on down the line, second house is Taurus, third house is Gemini, and so on. Those natural houses will perhaps help you to kind of visualize why these different aspects of life are coming together under the umbrellas of each of the 12 houses like what is the underlying energy that draws them together. I feel like that can be better understood by thinking about the sign and the planet that naturally rule that house. So for example, the second house, the house of finances and resources and self-worth, the natural ruler of that house is Taurus, which also rules Wall Street and the stock market and finances and banks. And then Venus is the ruler of Taurus, so Venus would be the natural ruler of the second house, and Venus rules finances and our income and exchange. So yeah, there are these common threads between the natural rulers, although I do not want to confuse you guys because natural rulers of the houses don't necessarily pertain to your individual chart. Your chart is going to have a different set of house rulers dependent on what your ascendant is. So the sign on the cusp of each of your houses is going to determine which sign and planet rule that house. And it's going to give your chart and your life a different flavor. So it's like not everyone's planets are mapped onto the same chart foundation, if that makes sense. Like we're all working with the same 12 houses in the same order, but the zodiac wheel spins so that these areas of our life are flavored with different energies 
Then we have the layer of the planets coming in, which helps symbolize the energetic motions and dynamics that are happening for us between these signs and where we're being called to focus our energy more. And then you can look at your chart and figure out the planets in the signs that you know, which house do they fall in? So which area of life are they showing up in for you? And then once you have that down, you can move on to the aspects between them and major aspect patterns. And that's when you're really at the good stuff, when you're in the aspect patterns and you're looking at the bigger shapes that planets are making together and the conversation that the chart is having not looking at planets on their own in solitude and placements independently of one another but reading the chart as a whole and looking at what is the relationship the challenge the harmony the power structure looking at the chart as a whole to look at the person as a whole and when we take the aspects separately, we can kind of dive into different aspects of our personality and have conversations with ourselves or with our astrologer about dynamics in our experience that are challenging or about talents and gifts that we have at our disposal that we may or may not be using to our best advantage. Major aspect patterns give us an idea of the major themes and dynamics in the chart and they include T-squares, Grand Trines, Yods, Mystic Rectangle. Yeah, and they describe complex dynamics that are fundamental to the chart. So you definitely want to check and see if you have any of those. If you have a T-square or a Grand Trine or a Mystic Rectangle or anything like that, not everyone does. And if you don't have a major aspect pattern, it doesn't mean anything really specific, except that maybe the dynamics in your chart are a little bit more separated in how they play out in your life and less intertwined than in a chart that has one or more of these major aspects patterns. Something like a T-square can really be like a complex knot in someone's chart that they need to untie. And a grand trine can be a flow of energy that's so harmonious that it can promote laziness in other areas of the chart because the person feels that they have talent to rest upon that leads to negligence in other areas. So having one or more of these aspect patterns isn't necessarily better than not having them. The chart is complex and it reflects you as nuanced and complicated as you are. You may also want to look at what chart type you have, which will describe the pattern of how the planets are laid out. So examples of this can be a bucket chart where the most of the planets are concentrated in one hemisphere of the chart and then there's one or more planets at the opposite side kind of acting as a handle for the bucket or a splash chart where the planets are spread out all over the chart in different houses. But most of the time, the planets will be concentrated in just a few houses and many of the houses in your chart will be empty. Empty houses don't mean that there's nothing going on. It just means that you don't have the planetary energy occupying that sphere of your life all of the time in a natalistic way. But those empty houses of your chart will be activated regularly by transits as the planets move through the zodiac, through their normal motions as they do constantly. 
In an upcoming episode, I will tell you guys about transits, how to read them, how to use an ephemeris to find dates for when energies will shift and change and what those changes will mean for you and your chart. So look forward to that and stay tuned. You already have a lot to work with. We've definitely barely scratched the surface, but already it's a lot to get you up and running and it's a lot to ask you to do all of these things. If you made it all the way to the end, I feel like you deserve something easy and quickly gratifying. Perfections is one of the simplest and most powerful techniques you can employ as a beginner to start working with your chart in a meaningful way. Annual perfections, which change each year on your birthday. With this technique, each year you have one planet acting as your time lord, exerting a stronger influence over your life and pulling you to focus on the themes governed by the sign and the house it rules, which is currently being emphasized in your chart via perfection. So it's sounding complicated, but it's not. Basically, we start at age zero in house one, and each year we move ahead one house, like a board game, and the ruler of that house becomes our time lord, and the themes of that house are where we're meant to focus more of our energy that year. The sign on the cusp of the house tells you who is the ruling planet, and that planet will be your time lord for the year, and it will give you a sense of the energy that flavors that area of your life, both through understanding the sign itself the domain of the house, like what parts of life fall in that domain, and then also through looking at where the ruling planet is placed in your chart, what sign it's in, what house, what aspects it's making. All of these added layers give you more specific information about what may be, could be, or should be happening in each area of your life, and what the challenges are, and where the blessings and the ease can be found through the struggle. I want to give you guys one final exercise. It will take you a little bit of time to put together, but I think it's worthwhile because it will help you to explore your chart at a very deep level and kind of access the heart of each of your placements with an immediacy that can be difficult to access otherwise. So for this, we're going to be using the book Inside Degrees by Elias Lonsdale, which you'll have to go online and get a hold of to put together what I'm going to call your Lonsdale Soul Horoscope and use the chart that you've generated to figure out which degree each one of your different placements is at and then find that degree in the book and put together a kind of deep, soul calling horoscope for yourself using these degrees and meditate on them and on the planet that is correlated to them the planet or placement so i recommend that you do this and put together this horoscope using your sun moon rising mercury venus mars jupiter saturn uranus neptune pluto North Node, South Node, Midheaven, Descendant, and Imam Kohli. I recommend that you pull the degree reading for each one of these planets and placements and keep in mind how to do it properly because in most cases, unless it's a degree that ends in zero zero, 
it's going to be read one forward in this book specifically and honestly in no other circumstances so i'm sorry about that because it is confusing but it is what it is that's how the book's written but you can do it i believe in you you can put together this horoscope and it's going to give you a really good reflection and place to start meditating on the depths of your chart all you have to do is generate the chart and figure out what placements are at which degrees and then connect it to the right degree in the book in order to do this exercise so it's pretty simple once you've found the book and remember you can always go to astro.com to generate your chart completely for free and if you are using the perfections technique then keeping in mind what perfection year you're in which house is being emphasized and seeking opportunities to deepen your experience and understanding of those themes will help you as well as finding the planet that rules that sign which will be your time lord for the year and tracking the motions of that planet in transit and seeing what condition it's in can potentially help you to operate with more understanding of the energies that are available at the time and also looking at that planet in your chart and trying to work with the themes that planet is representing in your specific chart this will be like a really nice way to make sure that you're giving attention to every area of your chart in turn so nothing gets forgotten and nothing gets left out that's why i love this technique i feel like there's just something so balancing and so comforting about it about knowing that there will be time for everything and all get there and if i feel like there's a part of my chart that i really have been neglecting and hasn't had a chance to really flourish in my life i'm like i know i'll get around to it and i know that i can just focus on the task that's ahead of me for this year keep my head in the present and try to embrace the energy that's available to me to work with and what i'm being presented with now instead of just focusing on what i wish for or what i remember thank you so much as always for listening you can now book 15 minute mini readings with me on my site metroastrology.com rate and review this podcast on apple podcasts please and thank you and until next time be well and i'll talk to you soon